Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My name is Ivoma Okoro, and you are listening to the fourth episode of the storytelling podcast, Vega, a sci-fi adventure. If you're just joining me, here's what you need to know. Vega Rex lives in a fantasy future where she hunts and kills the world's worst super criminals. She's really, really good at her job, and also, for reasons you're about to learn very shortly, when the story got started, she had an apprentice she really, really didn't want. In the last two episodes, Vega's apprentice had gone missing, and while on the journey to find her, Vega learned that way over in Knox, on the other side of the world, though the God Wars were over, there was a new god in town, a god out here murdering folks and streaming the kills on an app for the world to see, a god called Animus. On this week's episode, Vega's back in her home country at Patraxis, and no offense to Mudbusting crew, but what's happening on the other side of the world is far from her concern right now, because right now, she's sitting in front of the League Council. Question, is anybody else feeling a little hot, or is it just Vega? Just Vega? Okay. That's okay. Why don't we just get into it, shall we? Please. After you. So you've been in trouble before, yeah? You're a human being who was probably raised by other older human beings, so I'm just gonna assume the answer is yes. You've heard that tone. You know the one I'm talking about. When you did something you knew you weren't supposed to do and the older human, in a cruel attempt to shame you before the flogging, proceeds to lay out the trail of false logic that led you into the exact nature of your foolishness, the shaming always starts the same way, with the same six words. So, let me get this straight. Behind her mask, Vega is closing her eyes and bracing herself because there it is, that tone. In the last few months of her career, Vega had become all too familiar with the sound of it in Prophet Parkas' voice. She can feel her heart beating under the gleaming gold pectoral that's draped across her collarbone and flowing down her chest. Each thin metal square of the decorative chest piece she's wearing has been bound carefully together. If you can imagine it, the fit is so exact on this chest piece that it fits her like a shimmering second skin, flexing and shrinking to even the most minute movements of her body. She can feel the weight of the ceremonial headdress on her head. The headdress, made of gold alloys and jade stones, consists of several interlocking pieces that are stretched up and fanned around her head. Unlike the pectoral, this headdress was not custom made for Vega, it had been handed down. 
It had actually belonged to the hunter who trained Vega before it had fallen into Vega's hands. In fact, a long line of hunters had worn this combination mask and headdress, and with every breath she was taking, Vega could practically smell their history. That is, if history had the cloying, tarnished scent of ancient gold, nickel, and copper. There, too, was the fragrant hint of hyacinth rushing up her nostrils. It was coming from the rubbing elixir the historians had composed long ago to help preserve these ancient artifacts. The hyacinth smell was supposed to be a pleasant accommodation, but together with the aging metal, it was honestly just making Vega's stomach churn. The plus camel skin chair she's sitting on keeps making subtle squishing noises as she shifts her weight. Parkus. After you managed to get a video transmission of your kill disseminated into the Knox Neural Cloud Network, a place any common hacker in Knox could find it, by the way. On the outside of her mask, the expression is dreadfully blank. It was the same expression all hunter masks had here on the sacred floors of the council room. Altogether, these sacred artifacts, with the ceremonial skirts she was wearing underneath them, made Vega look like some kind of ancient priestess. But Vega was no priest. Actually, in the holy order of their country, hunters were ranked higher, so ha! Remembering that, Vega sat up a little straighter in her chair and opened her eyes. The council room appeared as it ever was, a wide chamber of black marble that made every voice and sound bounce off the unseen walls. Vega and the six prophets that made up the league council were sitting on a raised platform in the center of the room. Unseen overhead lights were shining straight down on them, making it feel as though they were sitting inside a beam of light. Outside this beam of light, a soft blackness seemed to stretch on until forever. It doesn't, by the way. That stretching abyss is only a trick of the lights. Like every room, this one has walls. It has a time and a place that belongs to it. In just a night's ride, Vega had left the country of Knox and traveled across an ocean to get here. She was one of the 1.2 billion people privileged enough to call the country of Patraxis her home. But not everyone in Patraxis had the luxury of traveling over this wondrous country in a personally owned skybus, and a smaller number still were allowed inside the walls of the holy city. It never failed that the closer Vega drew to this room inside the temple complex, the more magnified she felt right up until those council room doors closed and the overhead lights kicked on. This chamber really did have a way of making one feel so small, like all space and time had really just fallen away. The chairs they were sitting on were elegant, handcrafted with oak and upholstered with camel skin. There were eight of these chairs, forming a circle around the platform, with Vega and one of them and the six prophets occupying the others. That means that one chair is empty, and since it happens to be directly across the circle from Vega, her eyes can't help but rest on it. I repeat, there are eight chairs in the circle and there are seven people, which means, say it with me now, one of these chairs is empty. Moving on. You then decided you would step out of the sky pod. Oof, Parker's voice is really starting to take on that edge now. Don't really want to, but I guess I should go ahead and describe him. Homeboy is sitting in the chair to the left of the empty one. He is also wearing a mask. While hunters wear blank, expressionless metal faces in the council room, the six prophets of the League Council had always taken on the mask of the sacred beast. Are you ready for the list? We got one for the crocodile, one for the bear, one for the robin, one for the guppy, one for the lemur, and one for the snail. For real, a snail. What could ever be sacred about a snail? 
You know, in a different life, Vega might have dreamed of being a Council League prophet. Instead of inheriting this hunter mask, she might have been elected by Patraxis' governing body, like these six had been, and inherited one of their ancient masks instead. Then she would be the one sitting there in that uniform of black silks, the short collar standing at her collarbone, the silhouette of her fitted bomber jacket cutting her trim, the flowing material of her skirt pooling in a little circle around her chair. The outfit alone would have been enough to entice her, the power to call the shots over every single one of the hundreds of hunters that made up league staffing at any one time would have been added bonus. For millennia, the prophets who had worn these masks had guided the hands of the league wherever they felt the will of Saivo directed, wielding the kind of influence Vega had always been attracted to. But she would have walked away from it all without looking back as she had to put a snail mask on her face every day. Hell nah, you won't catch her. Lucky for Parkus, his voice is grating out from behind the crocodile mask. The sharp, gaping mouth doesn't extend nearly as far as a real crocodile, BT dubs. Though it's meticulously detailed, the mask design is more stylized than realistic, and it covers just the front of his face, which means the perfect, glossy lay of his hair against his scalp remains intact. And hey, his ears aren't flush yet, so that's a good sign. He goes on, and decided to announce at the top of your voice to over 60 Knox troopers, nine common security boys, and whoever else may have been strolling by in the distance, your real name, your association, and the listing number of your bounty? Vega clears her throat. <clears throat> it wasn't uh, at the top of my voice. Ooh, was it the middle? This playful sing-song voice is coming from the lemur, a long, skinny woman called Prophet Solana. Solana steeples her fingers and presses them to the lips of her lemur mask. Her manicured nails are the same orange color as her long, wispy hair. Now I forget, at what range can the human ear no longer register government secrets? I believe that would be none of them, says Parkis as he drops his hollow screen in his lap, apparently having reached his limit on reading Vega's report. No, I know they could hear me. Vega fights to keep the irritation out of her voice, but that was also kind of the point. I think we're forgetting there were over 60 semi-automatic rifles pointed at me at the time. I thought the most effective thing I could have said was the truth, and I was right. They stood down immediately. And she didn't tell them his listing number. That was a report error, I think. All eyes turned to the petite Robin now. Prophet Lila. Vega feels a rush of gratitude sweep through her when Lila looks her way. She senses that under that mask, Lila is smiling in the subdued way she always does, and that the expression on her face no doubt spoke a word of encouragement and fidelity. You should know that, in addition to functioning together as a unified council, each of the prophets in this room was assigned a selection of hunters with whom they were to carry on the more personal task of mentoring and supporting. Every hunter had an oversight prophet. Lila was Vega's. But it wasn't like the trust between the two women had come overnight. On the contrary, Lila had won Vega's affections mission by mission. She'd cared for Vega in ways she didn't know she needed caring for. She'd offered Vega gentle words of counsel when she really needed to be slapped and told she was wrong. She learned how to make Vega laugh when it proved just the medicine she needed to get back into the field. It was probably because Vega liked her so much that Lila's voice sounded so much more silvery and pleasant than the others, and her black locks were so much more stylish than anybody else's hair in this place. I just killed the snail, Prophet Silas, begins his characteristic drawl. The only time Vega was actually grateful for these masks was when Prophet Silas started talking.
Her eye rolls could not be contained otherwise. The most wanted criminal in the world. Perhaps she meant number two. If I may, Vega cuts in, I really do feel like we're focusing a little too much on the negatives here. If you could just take a closer look in my report, you would see that there were a number of variables that slipped out of my control far before I got into that skypod. The fact that I was able to complete this mission at all is, in my humble opinion, rather noteworthy. I thought, I thought you might be proud of me. The deep, rumbling voice of Prophet Vox comes out from behind the mask of the bear. He was bald, and his big black beard sticks out from behind his mask, too. Variables. Which ones? Vega looks around. Vox is staring into the open space between Vega and Prophet Snail. Sorry, Silas. His question comes out more like a proclamation. He had a way of speaking that made Vega think of an old-fashioned actor on a stage. But he must have been talking to her. Pardon? What uncontrolled variables are you referring to? Vega thought for a moment. Well, I guess it really just would amount to the one. The Apprentice. As you just heard, there followed an awkward silence. The guppy coughs. I told her, before the kill attempt had even begun, that she was to stay on the sky bus out of the way until I returned. But instead of obeying the command of her training master, as was her only responsibility, she showed up looking for the mark herself. You think I nearly blew our operations? She had a loaded kill shot up her sleeve. She would have murdered that man in the middle of a crowd. It was a mercy that I restrained her. And it wasn't like I didn't tell the troopers exactly where to find her when I was done. Not before you broke her arm. Yes, but after I saved the mission, you... You don't agree. Okay. Pause. Because I need to explain what just happened. There was a sound effect I inserted there in the middle of Vega's sentence to represent that the sequence I'm about to describe to you happened in Vega's head in like 0.07 seconds. The first thing that happened was that Vega stopped talking. She had been on the cusp of mounting the most convincing argument she could think of, but on instinct, the sentence dropped right out of her mouth because she had learned that it was best to be silent when the details started to present themselves. Then followed the details. Vega noticed four things happening at once. Parkas' foot was jittering against the floor. Solana's body, perpetually full of motion, was being held perfectly still in her seat. Lila's fidgeting hands were tugging at her clothes as if she was letting out hot air, and nobody in the room was looking in Vega's direction as she was speaking. Then followed the natural conclusion. You don't agree. And remember, this all happened... like that. Yes, Vega was used to coming to conclusions this quickly and this correctly. Parkas clears his throat. He may have been trying to take on an understanding tone, but Vega could tell he was going to enjoy this. Look, all missions have their variables. Yours have had their fair share. But even so, this one seemed less tidy than usual. Less tidy, Vega repeats in a voice that has no emotion in it. Everyone in this place had their way of talking, making the worst insult sound like something just shy of a compliment. But she knew what he meant by less tidy. He meant sloppy. And Vega had never in her life been called sloppy before. I suppose I didn't have to give them my name, 
She makes a gesture, but stops before it's complete. I've, I've, I've got a frost profile on the network for just that reason, actually. If anyone tries to look me up, they'll find photos of a woman who looks enough like me to satisfy curiosity, but different enough for me to maintain my anonymity. And in a country of, what, four billion? On the slim chance that I run into this 60 or so who heard my name and saw my face at the same time, they'll just have to remember me the old-fashioned way, which is pretty unlikely, I think. Nobody says anything again. The guppy coughs again. But Vega can't hear the silence because the voices in her head are talking. She rubs her ear, readjusts her mask. And sure, maybe if I had given the apprentice a little more attention, she wouldn't have acted out the way she did. Maybe I'm not the greatest training hunter that there ever was. I mean, I can hunt, that's for sure, but training... I don't know. I don't know if I can be good at both. I don't know if that's even possible. Ah. Parkus leans back in his high back chair and folds one leg over the other. Now we get to the heart of the matter. The apprentice problem. Lila began. Vega, you've been through six apprentices in seven months, and at this point you're only going through them faster. We understand it can take time to adjust to life with an apprentice after five years of solid solos and such quality solo work such as yours. But it is an adjustment that every hunter has had to make since the apprentice clause first went into effect, and we all have full confidence that you can make it too. No one expects you to be the next Redux Acoste, by the way, Solana chuckles in her chirp-like little way. You don't have to train champions, not just yet. All we need is for you to hold on to one for a minute or two to commit. Vega held up her hand. Oh, I've committed. I've been open. Enough. I didn't let any of them go. They quit on their own. Are we so sure the fault is all mine? Whose fault would it be? Solana asked. Theirs? Some could say, Vega says. She, uh, ooh, she's going to choose her next words carefully. And some could even say that there hasn't been a single one of these apprentices that has been a good match for me. Another silence. The guppy doesn't cough this time. Now he speaks. Well, I do wonder who this some could be. He so rarely spoke that Vega had almost forgotten what he sounded like. Maybe there was a voice in this chamber that she hated more than the snails. The guppy, Prophet Fen, rolled one of his large shoulders. We give out close to 2,000 apprentice assignments a year, he goes on. And over 95% of them continue through the end of their apprenticeships last we checked. Am I wrong, Parkus? Numbers don't lie, Fen, said the croc. And could you tell me, Lila, what percent of Vega's old apprentices have stuck with their new training hunters after reassignment? Lila cleared her throat. Something like a hundred. Exactly a hundred, says Parkus. Strong figures. Strong figures in our favor, continued Prophet Fen. Miss Rex, one bad match is unfortunate. Two is a possibility. Three is highly coincidental. But six... Six is, 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 is a gross anomaly, says Solana. Mm-hmm, Fen agrees pointedly, looking down his squat fish nose at Vega. The likes we have never seen before. Oh. Mm, that was Vega. 
because at this, Vega, hitherto scrunched over in her seat as she listened intently to Prophet Fen, had just had a majorly gratifying realization. As though someone had taken a block of unintelligible text she'd been struggling to read and flipped it right side up. She straightens herself until she's leaning back in her own high back chair. She slowly crosses one leg over the other, touches a finger to her chin. Oh, see now, that's very interesting. They couldn't see her face, but they could hear it in her voice, because she wanted them to. A new train of thought had just occurred to her, so obvious she wondered why it had taken her so long to think of it. Ah, I wish this episode could be longer, but I am going to stick to my rules and we are already over time. You're just going to have to hear the rest of this next time because that is where this episode is going to end. I imagine this will be better bingeable content later on than it is listening from week to week. As it is, the next episode will be dropping two weeks from the release of this one. That is Thursday, November 29th. This episode featured music from Hill, King Flamingo, and Young Kool-Aid. More information on these tracks can be found in the show notes. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. I'm here every two weeks. You're listening four episodes in, and I'm grateful for that. If you want to follow the show on social media, you can find it at Vega Podcast at Twitter and Instagram. How are we doing? Are we feeling good? We're definitely making our way towards something. It is coming, but don't just take my word for it. You can catch me next week. Bye. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. How much do you know about cryonic preservation? Cryonic preservation.
the preservation of human beings at extreme low temperature. You mean like like uh, Walt Disney? I swear to God, if you say anything about Walt Disney's frozen head, I'm hanging up this phone right now. Swear to me, you've never heard of the Red Valley Seabolt until I just told you. I swear. You swear? Could you take your hand off my knee? Look, Warren, if they're sending the butter wouldn't melt new boy looking for Red Valley, it'll be for a reason. Trust me. People are losing their lives in this company. We pulled him out too soon. He is awakening exactly as we planned. He's dying on me! We're all murderers here. Bryony, you, me, that doorman probably. Guy on the corner there with a the neck tattoo. I bet he's killed someone. Would you like to cut his head off? I'm sorry. The saw is funny. Gordon, why are you sharing this stuff with me? Why are you smiling? I don't know. I smile when things get awkward. Get in your golden bullet, pick me up. You want to go to Red Valley? You want to go to Red Valley? Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley. Red Valley is available on all podcast providers. Do you want to continue?